Welcome to Life on the Illinois Prairie. Your host is Wendy Fleming Dexter, and after 30 years living in small town Illinois, she has stories to tell. Past cornfields and factories, into the heart of Amish country. There's more here than what meets the eye, far beyond what you think you know. So buckle up and stay tuned. This is Life on the Illinois Prairie. Hi, and welcome to Life on the Illinois Prairie. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. Today, I want to spend this time with you talking about Christmas memories, traditions, and transitions. The intro to this show talks about my having lived over 30 years on the Illinois Prairie. That is referencing my time living at the southernmost tip of Arthur, Illinois, Amish community, but I'm actually 71 years old. I grew up on a farm a mile west of Mattoon, Illinois, about an hour south of Champaign, Illinois, home of the University of Illinois. My father was a farmer, and mom was a housewife. There were six of us kids, five boys, and me. I was next to the youngest. One of my earliest memories was when I was five or six years old and bought and wrapped Christmas gifts for my two eldest brothers and my mom. My brothers got bubble gum, and mom got a box of Kleenex. Those were probably good examples of, it's the thought that counts. Daddy won a big doll for me when I was in first grade. She was so beautiful and stood about three feet tall. She had on a dusty rose-colored dress and high heels. She had dark blonde hair. I still have her, though the dress long ago deteriorated. She was very grand in her day, and she was the most special gift I ever received from my dad. Daddy won her at a grocery store he used to go to at the corner of 33rd and DeWitt Avenue in Mattoon. It was a dark and dingy store and probably would have never passed today's health inspections, but the proprietor, Basil England, was a friend of my dad's. Daddy would sometimes get our Christmas tree from a tree stand at Dairy Queen. But at one time, he took a massive leap away from his standard tree and bought home a shiny aluminum tree complete with rotating color wheel. In hindsight, that tree was very showy for a conservative, reserved farmer like my dad. Years later, Daddy bought an artificial tree that required Daddy's help to put the lights on. No one else was entrusted with the lights. Mom and I decorated the tree, in later years adorning it with the many needlepoint ornaments Mom made. As our family grew and my brothers got married, our Christmas traditions began to change. Mom made a concerted effort to be a good mother-in-law because she had loved her own so much. Most of my sisters-in-law wanted to spend Christmas Day with their families, so our main event and gift exchange was moved to Christmas Eve. It became a tradition for us to have oyster soup, cheese soup, and ham sandwiches on Christmas Eve. The kids were fidgety, and truth be told, Some of the older ones among us were, too. My dad loved Christmas. I'm convinced that part of that is because he lost his eldest brother, his father, 
and his grandfather in an 18-month period when he was just 13 years old. Thirteen is such a vulnerable age anyway, and to lose three male role models must have been hard to bear. Now, we weren't poor, but we didn't have a lot of excess money. Daddy always worked extra jobs to help make ends meet. Christmas gifts were practical and never extravagant. Christmas shopping involved us younger kids riding into town with mom and dad. We parked on Broadway Avenue where we could see the brightly colored storefronts and decorations hanging from the streetlights. Mom did a great deal of her shopping at Thrifty Drug Store. We kids usually had to stay in the car, which I didn't mind at all. I got to watch the teenagers dragging Broadway in their sleek cars, and if I was lucky, I got to see some cute guys. No Christmas was complete without our annual trek to the home of Zena Kaiser Edwards. Zena was my mother's cousin. My daddy farmed her ground. We were expected to dress up and make our appearances at Zena's spectacular home. Her home was tastefully decorated with treasures from Marshall Field and Famous Bar, grand stores that Zena visited when she was in Chicago. Our house was shabby chic in 1960s, long before the phrase was even coined. We all sat there stiff and uncomfortable, totally out of place in such a regal environment. Mom made it abundantly clear to Stan and me to not touch anything. We were grateful to escape to the car and get into our at-home clothes. We definitely were square pegs trying to fit, even if only for 30 minutes, into a round hole. One tradition was buying Daddy chocolate-covered cherries. The cheaper, the better. One year, I was determined to throw Daddy off the scent. He always liked to tease me and knew by the size of the box which gift was the candy. I conspired with my mom and wrapped a lightweight brick and put it in the refrigerator. I made a point to tell Daddy about it to reinforce my plan. That Christmas Eve, all of us gathered around in great anticipation to watch Daddy unwrap his brick. Except it wasn't a brick. It was a box of chocolate-covered cherries. Mama double-crossed me. Little did I know that in later years, there would be even more shenanigans from my mom. But those are for a later date. One year, Daddy got extremely brave and decided to dress up as Santa Claus to amuse my littlest nieces and nephews. They all clamored around the front door. Daddy threw it open and let out his best, Ho, ho, ho! For a few seconds, the little kid's eyes were in awe, until Travis yelled, Hey, those look like Grandpa Fleming's shoes. They are! Those are Grandpa Fleming's shoes! Needless to say, my conservative daddy never dressed as Santa Claus again. One year, as our family grew, it was determined that we should draw names. I was put in charge. I went back and forth between the living room and the family room, keeping a list as one by one family members drew a name. 
It was only after about the fourth name was pulled from the hat and I recorded the name on the list that everyone realized that only my name was in the hat. That was the end of that. I suppose that the Christmas of 1963 was by far our most subdued Christmas. President Kennedy's assassination cast a pall over the entire nation. It was such a hideous event to be played out on national TV. Many youth lost their innocence that day. With age comes more and more loss of loved ones. Soon you realize there are more empty chairs at the table than occupied ones. As we start to lose our loved ones, it changes your perspective. We realize that presents mean little, but that presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, means everything. As adults, we have experienced more loss than those little, bright-eyed children of our youth could ever imagine. We have only to look around to see tremendous amounts of suffering as people suffer through wars, weather catastrophes, and immense personal losses. And who could forget the recent isolation of the COVID Christmas of 2020? But Christmas will still be here. There are still wide-eyed children waiting for Santa. What will you do to help bring joy? Any day is a good day to reach out to our fellow man, but it is especially meaningful at this time of year. Will you send a care package to an armed services member serving overseas? Will you donate to a service group or offer your services as a volunteer to feed the hungry? Will you visit shut-ins or people in a nursing home who have no one to visit them? Will you call that family member who has ghosted you to wish them Merry Christmas? I know I need to do that one myself. That one's deeply personal. Will you write a note to a friend who has just lost a parent? or a sibling, or a spouse? My Facebook friend list is full of people who have experienced these losses in the last few weeks. Kate, Cheryl, Donna, Deb, Jenny. How about reaching out to that friend who lost a child? My Stacy knows that deep, agonizing pain which is like no other. The void is vast, and Christmas is coming fast. One simple act of kindness is all that is needed. No grand gestures, no expensive purchases. Just the gift of your time to someone who is hurting is worth more than gold to the hurting recipient. Now, this episode will be published on December 14th. I would like to challenge anyone who hears this to perform an act of kindness, especially at Christmas time. Help heal a hurting heart. You never know when the shoe will be on the other foot. And I would like to share with you this poem that I had written a few years back called Memories. Memories, though precious be, can never bring you back to me. Your smile, your scent, your gentle touch. I miss these things so very much. Your loving values, 
true and deep. Well within my heart, I'll keep. Your values taught will guide my way. I miss you more each passing day. The love that shone within your eyes, the lessons learned from you so wise, the hope you planted in me deep. Yes, these are treasures that I keep. Time passes slowly since you're gone, and people say I should move on. But still I feel so lost and blue. I can't get over losing you. I feel cut loose and set adrift. My sagging spirit needs a lift. Then through my tears I look and see another hurting just like me. Hope springs eternal, so they say. It feels untrue since you're away. It's just your body gone, I know, releasing then your loving soul. I feel the love you gave to me is freely flowing, don't you see? The universe is energy. I am you, and you are me. We're not apart, this I believe, for you are in the air I breathe, in every tree, the sky, the lake. You're with me every step I take. The essence of the life we shared, the many ways you showed you cared, these things to others I will give, and in that way you'll always live. The zest for life you gave to me will never go away, you see. I'll share it so the whole world knows. The spirit soars, though the body goes. Memories, though precious be, can never bring you back to me. Into the universe you've gone. Your essence will live on and on. The chasm seems so deep and wide as you wait on the other side till when at heaven's gate we'll meet and then at last death will defeat. Merry Christmas, friends. Now please go out and be kind. If you would please follow me on Facebook and my life on the Illinois Prairie Facebook page and share this podcast and If you get on my page, please comment and tell me what your favorite family traditions are for Christmas. Thank you. God bless and please be kind. Thanks for listening to Life on the Illinois Prairie, the undercurrents of our American life. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to Life on the Illinois Prairie wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for more stories, interviews, and updates. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. Until next time. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.